Welcome to Buddy Politic, where two buddies dive deep into current events, social issues, and political happenings. I'm Parker Brewer. And I'm Andre Tyson. Today we're talking about what has been on everybody's mind since November 8th, 2016, the election. So where are we, Andre? Can you kind of give us a little um, update? How are you feeling about the election so far? Okay, right now, Parker, I'm actually feeling very good about the election because it's very clear who the winner is. It is very clear at this point that Joe Biden has beat Trump. He has gotten up until this point more electoral votes. Um, and right now we're waiting on a few more states just to come in with a few additional um, ballots and counts and everything. But right now I'm feeling very good about it. Usually I coming into this week, I thought I was going to be much more um, anxious about the results. But right now, Joe Biden has clearly um, surpassed Trump in number of um, votes. He definitely surpassed him in the popular vote. And I think that, of course, is definitely incredibly important. And um, that's where we are. We're just waiting for a few states to come in with a few um, a few more ballots, Parker. Yeah, no, I feel that. Um, I definitely... Uh... I'm feeling more confident about it yes, the, uh, today than I am, I did yesterday. I was starting to worry a little bit about what was going to happen in Arizona and whether that would kind of mm-hmm. shift the tide with the race. But I think that at this point, we're f- it's it's feeling like we're really we're really coming down to the the, the end of the race here. This is it. This is this is the end. Um, yes, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So I wanted to just kind of look and see where we were in terms of vote counts and what's left. To, okay. to figure out beforehand because even though it feels like it's buttoned up, um, I'm sure there are people mm-hmm. on the Republican side who might say that that's, that's not necessarily true. Definitely. So um, looking in Georgia right now, uh, last I checked, which was about an hour ago, we were at 49.4 to 49.3% of the vote. Um, mm-hmm. So Georgia is coming down to the wire. Yes, it is. Um, and honestly, that's really exciting to me because – who would have expected Georgia, a, a solidly Republican state, to even be in play for Biden at all? Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and Georgia hasn't voted blue in 28 years, Parker. It has 28, been 28 years. Eight years since so Georgia voted. that was Biden then, right? That would have been not Biden. Excuse me, that was Clinton. <laughs> uh, whoa, not Biden. That was. I'm not was, sure exactly who it was, but I know that that was the number. It's been 28 years. Um, since Georgia, if we if Georgia definitely once all the votes are counted, which I think it will turn vote blue, um, it's going to be the first time in 28 years, um, right? And so that is incredible because no one would have assumed that Georgia would be the southern state that would that help Joe Biden. Yeah, I, I would. Honestly, I assumed that it would be North Carolina or Florida. Honestly, I did. Yeah. I expected North Carolina or Florida to um, pull it out, but I also expected something very interesting from Georgia as well. Um, but they definitely showed up and showed out much more than I was expecting. And the thing about the Georgia race, Parker, I'm not sure if you um, paid any attention, but a lot of people in Georgia had to stand in very long lines mm-hmm. to vote. Like people yes, were the in voter line. suppression is real. It is very real, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so Georgia definitely sh- surprised me. It yeah, well, and I, I I was hearing too that I think that that has a lot to do with Stacey Abrams and her work uh, to turn yeah. out the vote among you know people who otherwise wouldn't be voting. So I think that. You know, um, I think the Democratic Party owes Stacey Abrams quite a bit, and and it honestly, the, na- the nation as a whole owes Stacey Abrams quite a bit. 
You perfect. You said a mouthful. And so the thing about this, when Stacey Abrams ran for governor back in 2018, I was definitely um, very happy about her campaign because I really, I believe in her. I, she mm -hmm. inspires me. Because yeah, she, she was exciting. about fairness. She is all about fairness and about democracy. She really is actually about democracy. So when she ran for governor in 2018 and lost, that really did hurt me because yeah. I know that she, I seen how much work she had been doing for Georgia and how much mm -hmm. she had been doing for mm. democracy and for her to lose. And in my personal opinion, she was cheated. She was yes. cheated. She was just simply cheated by Brian Kemp, who would not step down as the Secretary of State at time at the time, um, and, and therefore he oversaw the elections. How are you going to oversee an election that you're taking part in? Mm -hmm. No, I agree. And so Exactly. And so with that being said, yep, they do owe Stacey Abrams quite a bit, but there are other organizers that who Stacey Abrams we, um, gave thanks to, and a lot of Democrats in Georgia as well that um, mm -hmm. did a lot of organizing. Um, and also, yeah, they did a lot to turn out the vote, but you also got to realize that Stacey Abrams is doing a lot to protect the vote. She's right. trying to make sure that what happened in 2018 doesn't happen again, where there are um, polling places that don't have wires. And so therefore, that is what's stopping them, like cords to plug into the machine <laughs> or there are um, Seems other... Seems so ridiculous in this country. Mm -hmm. Oh, my yeah, God. Exactly. In 2020 so, yeah. America. Mm -hmm. Yikes. Well, speaking of another conservative state that you almost never expect to really go go blue ever, we're going to look at Arizona, which is um, an interesting state this year because the AP and Fox News, surprisingly, called Arizona for Biden in on election night, like not very late on election night either, like 11 o'clock on election night, mm -hmm. they called it. And as far as I've seen, there aren't um, very many other like major news outlets that have called Arizona yet, which, you know, is interesting. I know that pissed off the Trump uh, campaign, the Trump <laughs> camp a lot that Fox News called Arizona. And that's been kind of honestly kind of entertaining to watch from the sidelines. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but Biden is now ahead by thirty nine thousand votes, thirty nine thousand seven hundred <laughs> votes. And there's only and there's still 90 percent um, reporting. So there's still 10 percent left to record and to, to, gotcha. to count. But I think Arizona seems like it might really be going to towards towards Biden. Now, granted, yeah. here's the thing with um, Arizona is that even though the margin is 39,000 votes, there's still like 240,000 votes left to count. So there's still way like definitely something um, to say or to the fact that Trump might make that gap up. Um, exactly. You know, but honestly, again, I'm just excited that Arizona is even in play. And I think that speaks a lot to what this president has done to the electoral um, landscape. Yeah, absolutely. You said a lot, Parker. And so the thing is, I'm kind of scared. Arizona does make me a little um, skeptical because there are so many votes that are still left to count. It's true. That is the thing. There are still a ton of votes that are out there. And I can't say that they're all going for Biden or more than half of them will go towards Biden. But right. I'm certainly hoping so. Um, and with that being said, I saw a very interesting statistic about the voters who turned out in Arizona. And apparently one base in Arizona that um, you wouldn't think about, a lot of Native Americans turned out and voted for Biden in Arizona. And so That's there huge. were about 23 different tribes or 22 different tribes that turned out and voted in large numbers in Arizona oh, wow. um, specifically. And um, I saw a 
interesting statistic that showed most of them overwhelmingly voted for um, Biden. And so that is something you wouldn't expect in Arizona, honestly, right. um, because you just, I wouldn't necessarily think of who's voting in Arizona, but when I saw that map of how many people voted and who voted for who, it was so obvious that a lot of Native states support um, Joe Biden for president in Arizona. Right. Oh, yeah. It seems like, honestly, the country in some ways, if, uh, well, assuming you're in the Biden camp in the first place, which I know both of us are, um, I, I, it seems like the country owes owes a, greta, a debt of gratitude to a, a large amount of minority populations that have showed up to vote. I mean, if you look oh at God, yeah. what has happened for Biden in Detroit, in Atlanta, in um, most metropolitan areas, it is... It is Philly. It is the African-American vote that is carrying him to victory in some of those states. You, I saw a very interesting statistic, Parker. 98% of African-American youth 25 and under voted for Biden. Wow. That, that's and resounding. I, it is. You know, but the thing is, though, I looked at other stats and I saw like 82% of all black men who voted voted for Biden and 91% of all black women or something around there so far with the votes that have come in voted for Biden. Wow. And so that says to me, the young black vote went directly to Biden. 98%, yeah. like you can't get any better than that. Yeah. But with that being said, there is somewhat of a divide, I feel like, in the black community because there were about 20% of black men that did not vote, or 18% rather, of black men who didn't vote for um, Biden. And so I would... Um, I'm sure there are a number of reasons that they didn't, for example, they might have support Trump or support a different candidate. But um, I was just very proud to see so many young black people that showed up and voted for Biden. Right. I agree. I agree. And it'll be interesting maybe in a future episode to dive into some of the reasons that Trump did have gains with the Latino and the black communities. Yeah. Um, and with some natives, and, and, he did have some, right. some gains from some natives in some states. There's like, got to be a reason for that. And I think it must be mo mostly related to the economy, I think, especially that's what I've been kind of getting. But, yeah. you know, uh, it, it'd be interesting to find out the reasons. But uh, while we're out west, we may as well talk about Nevada because Nevada is like the... <laughs> friggin' red-headed stepchild of the country right now, honestly. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I honestly really want to know, like, what in all the get-out, like, what is what what is taking so long in Nevada? There's, like, 70 people that live in the whole of Nevada. I don't understand. Uh, Parker, that's not true. They have Las Vegas and they have Reno. <laughs> so they have lots of people in Nevada. Um, but I, I really can't tell you what's taking so long because it's also taking so long in North Carolina as well. Um, yes. But I know that North Carolina has um, will be accepting ballots. Is it up until November twelfth? I believe. I think North it is. Carolina is going to be accepting ballots for a long time, but Nevada has stopped accepting ballots. And so at this point, I'm just a little confused because I just want to know, and that's what a lot of the country wants to know. They want to because they feel like if they get Nevada to go ahead and prematurely, I guess, declare for Biden, we'll have that 270 to go ahead and start the celebrations. Right, right. And so without Nevada right now, we might not necessarily have that, but it is going towards Biden right now. Look, it's looking right. good for Biden, but we are still um, waiting on Nevada to get a final count. And I, but I don't necessarily know, I know I looked into Arizona, I don't think there's going to be a recount in Arizona. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. I don't think the margin's like close enough, mm -hmm. honestly. Yeah. They're they're mm -hmm. talking about one in Georgia though. They're talking about there yes, will likely be one in Georgia. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little afraid of that, but yeah. But let's talk about where Nevada's at with their vote counting and see because okay. I I believe that they have two hundred thousand votes left to track to 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 count. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what I was looking at is that their ballot deadline is November 10th. So I think they oh. do have it still open for a couple more days. Oh. But okay. even so, um, they expect to have about 200,000 va- ballots at this point left to count, even including, I think, those. Mm. Um, okay. So, But Biden's ahead by 20,000 there. So there's definitely a margin that he could make up, Trump could make up as well um, in that situation. But, you know, again, it, it, it seems like it's not trending that way so far. Gotcha. Um, and uh, we may as well just switch right into Pennsylvania because Pennsylvania is the big one at the moment, the, the one with all the focus on. Um, yes. I know that uh, there is at least one or two um, networks that have already called Pennsylvania for Biden um, yes. and given <laughs> and go ahead and given him the win in the election. And uh, I know that a lot of a lot of them haven't yet. So I think there's a lot of focus on what's happening in Pennsylvania right now. And they are the ones who are getting the results in the fastest. So, you know, they're definitely my favorite right now <laughs> for that reason. Um, but they're at 17,000 votes. Uh, Biden is ahead by 17,000 votes. And that margin went up in the last uh, like 10 minutes, honestly. It was at 14,500, and now it's up to 17,000. So it's, again, trending in the right direction in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Which is a big deal. Yeah, I saw um, something that said most of the ballots that were left uncounted were from Philadelphia. And so, of course, Philadelphia is very um, Democratic. And my family is in Philadelphia. And Philadelphia is also very African-American. I think Philadelphia is over 40% African-American. And that's huge for um, a big city such as Philadelphia. And, uh, of course, they, like a lot of big cities, have really been um, instrumental in getting abiding a victory in the state because without Philly, without those other big cities, you'd have a lot of red in Pennsylvania. A lot of small yeah. towns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is it is quite rural. It's uh kinda like North Carolina in that way, honestly. Yeah, North Carolina is something else. I'm a, I can talk about North Carolina all day Parker, the map of North I Carolina. Bet you could. You wanna tell us a little about what's going on in North Carolina? I didn't look so much in North Carolina. You haven't looked up into North Carolina, Parker. No, I didn't look at North Carolina because they haven't reported results in like four or five days, honestly. Well, see the thing about North Carolina, I can't it's still the same. Trump is ahead quite a bit, about fifty thousand votes in North Carolina right now. Mm-hmm. And so with that being but there are still quite a few ballots left to be counted. Um but with that being said, yeah, North Carolina voted very interestingly this year. It mm-hmm. did. There were a lot of places that um that did support Biden. A lot of counties. We had about, if I'm not mistaken, it was around 25 counties that voted for Biden. And with that being said, North a lot of those counties are rural counties. So right. there were a lot of rural counties that did resist Trump, and I was very happy to see that. But yeah, North Carolina, there we're just taking our sweet precious time. We yeah, I saw you saw your home county holding it down for the blue team. That was pretty sweet. I saw yours as well, Parker. Yeah, yeah, Parker yeah. County. Well, we're we're lucky to be hanging out in the the few spots anyway in North <laughs> Carolina at the moment. <laughs> oh my goodness, you guys out there in the mountains, y'all are really surrounded by red. Oh, it's oh really red. Goodness. It's really like, red. Yeah, we are too, but at least we kind of have Charlotte to one side, and we have like a little bit more blue, not too far away. But you guys in Asheville, like. The entire map around y'all. They call us the hole in the Bible Belt for a reason. 
<laughs> and it's because of that right there. If you look at it anytime, it's just red, 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 blue, red, 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 red. Just the whole time. Yeah. yeah. It's it's just it's it's yeah, it's it's the holler people. Um <laughs> that's for sure. But so all of this election stuff that's happening has um you know, there's been all of these votes coming in late so to speak for for biden and that's freaking trump out a lot um and you know he's been on one of those benders did you watch his speech last night trump speech yeah no i did not but i read over it Twitter oh saying, my lord i could not watch the whole thing okay. it was like from like a from like a you know a, a, a disconnected observer standpoint it was almost just hilarious because it was just him melting down on live tv in front of the whole nation really yeah he just melted down and and it was all scripted which is what was really funny it was like the speech writer had written it was not any it was not off the cuff like classic trump so he was very deadpan but you could you could see how defeated he was gotcha and and then he finished speaking and he's still harping on this whole thing about illegal ballots of course no, so at 2 30 last night he decided to tweet, and I got to read this to you because it's kind of funny, but he decided to tweet at 2.30 in the morning, which is when he does his best work. Um, I easily win the presidency of the United States with the legal votes cast. The observers were not allowed in any way, shape, or form to do their job, and therefore votes accepted during this period must be determined to be illegal votes. So that's the president of the United States using the bully pulpit to discredit vote counts in mm -hmm. a democracy. Because that's all he's doing. Mm -hmm. It kind of feels like he's trying to like attempt a coup, but he's so he is. inept he is. anyway that that it, that it's not even working. It's like he 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 has no he's he's inept at everything, and clearly he's now inept at like launching mm -hmm. a coup. Mm -hmm. So now this election fraud stuff that they are talking about seems. You know, it's like too good to be true if you're a Republican because, hey, all these votes just came in and they're fake. But like the reality is they're not, of course. And so exactly. the reality is, though, that there is a lot of voter suppression happening this election, even if we're not hearing about it yet. And I know that you have a lot of thoughts on what's been happening this year with uh, voter suppression tactics from the right. Um, do you want to share some of that with us? Parker, of course, I would love to talk about voter suppression always. Okay, so I remember when I um, showed up to my polling place in Anson County, North Carolina, um, there was this one sign that says photo ID required. And so, but it was not required though. Photo ID actually was not required. And so that was one way if someone had showed up and did not have photo ID, for example, that sign in and of itself could have turned that person away. And so with that being said, there were a lot of signs at a lot of different polling places that became, um, it, in, during this election specifically that I've seen um, it, in different places and across social media that um, demonstrated just how far the right will go to suppress votes. Mm. And so with that being said, did you figure out what happened in Florida? There I haven't heard much about what's in Florida. 
Okay. And so uh, what happened in Florida is there was this bill passed to restore votes to felons. About 1.4 million felons would have the right to vote um, if that bill had passed. And so, but the governor would not allow it to go through. And mm -hmm. so he, of, of course, he's um, a part of the right. And so with that being said, 1.4 million people um, could have been eligible to vote. And so they were completely all denied. And so with that being said, Florida, is not a blowout for Trump right now. It's not like he's just far ahead. He's only um, ahead a couple of, is it a couple of thousand or a hundred? How, do you know about how much he's? I think it was like over a hundred thousand, but I'd have about to look and see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's a small number compared to 1.4 million felons, if right. that makes any sense. Absolutely. And so, yeah, with that being said, there is just, I think that one thing that we have to take seriously um, in our country is election day. We need to declare it as a holiday. We really do. Because a lot of people had to work and could not make it to the polls that day, for one. Um, and for two, I know of a lot of reports of people, especially in North Carolina, who said they requested absentee ballots but never received them in time. Wow. And so, and most of whom are Biden supporters. Every right. like literally, mostly um, of whom, because we we've seen that most of Trump supporters showed up to the polls. Right. And so, with that being said, um, there was much more room for voter suppression, in my opinion, for the Democratic voters because most of them were voting by ballot uh, by absentee ballot. Um, and in addition to that. Um, there is quite a bit of voter suppression that happens, Parker. Yeah, no, it seems like that's like the, kind of the play, the the Republican play nowadays is to 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 suppress as much of the vote as you can and what you can't suppress, you know, um, try to win those people over. But they seem to be repressing or suppressing quite a bit of the vote these days in some places for sure. And and it's shocking to hear about signs like that and the photo ID thing. Um, yeah. And everything that it is already and, and, and the controversy that it is already and people taking advantage of that controversy and the, the lack of like, I thought that a, a ID was required when I was going to my polling place. And so I showed up with an ID expecting to have mm -hmm. to show it. And of course, I was informed when I got there that that's not required at the moment in North Carolina. But, you know, I tend to think of myself as fairly informed. And even mm -hmm. I didn't know where, what the status of the law that's was at I'm that saying. point, you know. And so that's kind of how I feel about it. But I, uh, it's, it's amazing that even in this country, we still have to deal with, you know, this country holds democracy at, as, as such a high ideal. And, and, and here we are in mm -hmm. 20, 2020, still dealing with the same things we've been dealing with for 350 years. Exactly. Um, and, exactly. Yeah. And uh, so Parker, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say just as a note, uh, Biden or Trump won Florida by about 300 and <laughs> a little over 360,000 votes. 360,000. Um, yeah, I believe is where it was closer to. Uh, it was definitely just less than um, 400,000. So it's somewhere in between 360 and 400. Exactly. So, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so it's looking more and more like we're going to have a Biden presidency. Yeah, and that's what makes me happy, Parker. I'm, I'm excited to see like some amount of calm restored to the, to the actual office of the presidency, even if you know, the society that he's leading 
is still fractured into many menti splinters but yeah mm -hmm. um, yeah you know and it, it'll just be good to have a president in the white house who for example don't i hopefully will not get the support of the kkk right exactly because that was that was my my <laughs> first biggest deal breaker with trump i remember when well, when he first started, I remember a lot of his supporters were like, he's not a serious candidate, but they're going to still mm -hmm. listen to him. And I was like, why are you going to listen to him and entertain this if you're not even, if you're only going to consider him as a joke? And so it got more and more serious and more and more serious. And he actually um, became the president, Parker. And so I think it was a disaster. It was a disaster. And with that being said, like, there have been so many people that have been criticizing the Biden supporters. They're like, oh, have you seen Biden's record? Have you seen Harris's record? And I'm like, I have. I know that they don't have the greatest record, especially when it comes to African-Americans. But I just lived the last four years with a Trump presidency. I do not want to do another day of that. Mm -hmm. I just cannot believe that more people are on the same page with me in that. Because I just feel like I would redo the entire four years differently if I could, honestly. And I feel like Trump did have an effect on my life over these past four years, a negative impact, mm. not a positive impact, a negative impact. And I just do not want to do another day with having him as our president, not yeah. another day. I think you and about 74 million other people are probably right there at that, um, that realization of, I think we're done here. It's been a wild ride. Mm not always yeah. a fun ride we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna hop off now um yeah. you know and, and and what's nice is that despite all of the election fraud quote unquote that really is voter suppression on the side of the republicans um we are gonna have a biden presidency it's really looking like um and yeah, what what really what really is interesting is looking at what happens next i think because we're not quite even if he wins the the electoral college in the vote we're not necessarily there yet we're not at all there um which is also kind of scary i mean like faithless electors are a thing and depending on what happens with the electoral college vote of course um we could be at a point where the electoral college vote is 270 to 268 and it just takes one faithless elector to send it to the house of representatives mm. um in which yeah. case we have trump again for another four years um which yeah, is... I don't I really, really hope that that doesn't happen or anything crazy like that. But that's the thing. I know Trump and I know that Trump he does not like to just take an L. He does not like to just lose. And mm -hmm. like for example, he has been calling for saying that there's been so much voter fraud. I haven't seen any fraud. Literally every claim that he has made about voter fraud exactly. has been proven to be just completely made up. Right. Right, exactly. And that's the thing. He just does not have time, and he does not have a plan to cheat his way to victory. He does not have a formidable plan to cheat his way. And I think he's just trying to buy himself time. He's right. trying to buy himself time and order recounts. So, and then I do think that he is the kind of person, and his supporters, they will in this recount. If they get hope to those ballots, I can't say what they'll do. Right. I can't say what they'll do or what they won't do. I can't say if they'll destroy who's those ballots or not destroy those ballots. That's why I just hope that this process in Georgia, once the recount is underway, 
it is a very well watched. It is very well observed, and it's just a smooth democratic process. Right. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And I think that it's interesting what you mentioned of. Um, excuse me. I'm blowing a blank. It's interesting what you mentioned about the the Trump looking for delays too, because I think that that's one of the other tactics that I've heard a lot about um, here is that Trump might try to like delay results in some key states with with court cases until they get to a point where it's too late for them to certify the results. And those results are kind of like, I'm not really sure what happens there exactly, but I believe what the, 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 the idea is that then the results are that the, the state doesn't get election results this year of court all of a sudden, and we're going to the house of representatives to decide stuff, um, which again would lead to a Trump presidency. And so I don't really understand that tactic. I haven't, I haven't delved deep enough into that. I get yes. Do you have any thoughts I, on that? Do you know anything about that? I don't actually, Parker. I'm hopeful I, that that's not something that's like really on I'm, the table. Yeah, I'm really hoping that's not on the table. But it's not out of the or it, I mean, it's not out of the question. It is yeah. certainly not out of the question. Well, if any of you listening have any thoughts or any information about that, uh, definitely tweet at one of us. Um, Andre, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, my Twitter is Black Boy Dre, B L A C K B O I D R E. And I'm Park. Yep, he's Black Boy Dre, and I'm Parker Brewer. It's just Parker Brewer, B R U E R. Tweet at us and let us know what you think because uh, we're yes. definitely interested to hear about that uh, for sure. And um, yeah, let us know what you're thinking there. Uh, yeah. So Andre, what do you think that these results are going to mean for like? progressives and progressive policy goals like we've been talking a lot about like medicare for all the green new deal all these progressive policy goals and now we're looking at um a biden presidency um honestly parker i can't say just yet because i would like to um automatically assume a biden presidency means a win for progressives but i actually think in fact, the opposite might happen because Biden has won. Now, I think it'll be much harder for him to push progressive legislation and to back progressive legislation because the argument is always going to then become um, you don't want to be too left. Right. Come back to the center a little bit. You don't want to go too far left. Bring right. your politics back to the center. And so if he did, let's say he pushed such an agenda as Medicare for all, or um, wanted to, let's say that, uh, I know a lot of people have been calling to abolish the electoral college. Let's say that we actually get progressive enough to do that. Do you know what the left will say? Uh, I mean, what the right will say about us? Do you know how bad of a picture they'll paint of us? They'll say we're trying to destroy America. Oh, Joe Biden's a socialist. He's a communist. He wants to just tear America apart. So I think it's going to be really hard to try to actually get anything done very mm -hmm. progressively. So anything that is going to um, transpire progressively, I think is going to come from the people of this country. I think more organizers are going to organize much in the way like Stacey Abrams and a lot of organizers did in Georgia. I think we'll see a lot more of that over the mm -hmm. next four years yeah. so that the next presidency will be a much more prepared people and we won't have to depend on our leaders. And because I really think that this Biden presidency is going to show a lot of people 
that um, a lot of the things that we want, we won't be able to get from the government. Right. We're just going to have to provide and do ourselves. But with that being said, I'm very unfortunately, and I hope that I am wrong, but I do think um, a Biden administration will mean um, it'll just be really hard for um, Biden and Harris um, and the rest of Congress to um, do anything progressive. I really do. I think it's going to be very hard. It's going to right. be incredibly difficult. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. I think that um, I think that one thing that really will answer this question better for you know us and everybody would be if we knew what was going to be the makeup of Congress, whether we knew the yes. Senate was going to be blue or red, yeah. whether we knew that the House of Representatives was going to maintain a majority that the way they did, they did it, that they did. And we can talk about that a little later on a little bit. But I think that depending on what the makeup of Congress is, will kind of really drive what the next four years look like. And I see that I see Biden almost as like kind of a, 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 um, a transitional ticket. I don't really see Biden as being the ticket to progressive goals. I think that gotcha, totally. progressive right. activism, progressive activism has to continue. We've got to continue to fight for all of the things like those battles aren't over just because we've decided like we've got a blue president now. Sorry, there's a light flickering. Um, um, but yeah, the, like the progressive fight isn't over just because we have a democratic president now. Like, it, 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 and you know, we've still got to reunify the country in some way. We've still got to try to bridge the gap between the left and the right in some way and bring the country back into a point where we can have a conversation enough to get to the bottom of all of these in issues. And I think that that obviously isn't going to happen in four years. I think we're looking at like, you know, eight years, 10 years, 12 years down the road before we're back to a point where we, you know, who knows how long. And obviously we're not going to have Biden as president to kind of help with that the whole time. But I think that's why the, the, the vice presidential pick on the Democratic side was so important and so thought over was because I think really what's going to happen is they're setting up Kamala Harris to become the president in 2024. Um, you know, and I don't, and I don't know whether that's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. I think it depends a lot on how you feel about her record and how you feel about her and how she does in the next four years as vice president. But I think that, um, I think that's the goal. I think that's kind of the thought behind a lot of the major party leaders at the moment is to have, have Biden kind of usher in, I hope what may become a period of progressive policymaking and, and, uh, and, and some kind of a period similar to what happened in the new deal after the depression. And, and I hope that we have see a real restructuring of our society at some point. And I'm hoping, I'm hopeful anyway, that Biden will continue to kind of usher us in that direction with And, but I don't think that we're going to see any of those major changes yeah, during, right during a, during a Biden presidency at all, you know? Yeah. You know, very well say it. Well, thank you. <laughs> Um, but, you know, speaking of Congress and what's what what that really means for the next four years in our country, let's talk about Congress and, and what's going on in those races a little bit. So, um, you know, I think the Senate race is obviously the most interesting for those of us who are on the Democratic side, because that's the, it's the chamber we need back to really take control of the government here. Um, but it it's not necessarily looking like we're, we're, we're going to be going in the direction of having the majority. Um, it's not looking like that at all. No, I think it depends a lot on what happens with the Purdue Ossoff race. I hope that's how you say his name. 
um, Osaf race uh, in Georgia because that one hasn't been called yet. Yes. And we already got one Georgia Congr- uh, like Senate election going to runoff. We may have another one going to runoff. Um, you have, I would expect it. It seems like it. you have to get 50% of the vote. Obviously, you know that. But um, mm-hmm. you have to get 50% of the vote to to win an election in um, in at least a Senate or a congressional election in Georgia. And so if you don't, obviously, there's got to be a runoff. And that's that's what happened already in one um, one of those races, and so it may be happening in the other race now too. We'll see. Um, be interesting to find out. But I think that what happens if the Senate does stay red? Like what what do you what do you foresee happening in the next few years if we have a Republican Senate, a Democratic House, and a Democratic President? Parker, I think what we'll see is a lot of what we've seen up until this point now. Um, yeah. For example, like even with the coronavirus relief um, package, um, I think there were a lot of talks that happened, but there was never a second stimulus deal, the infamous stimulus deal, what everybody, a lot of Americans were looking forward to, because a lot of Americans are behind on rent. A lot of Americans are still out of work. A lot of American businesses are still closed. And I think that we have not seen a whole lot of action from um, the House and the Senate. Or we've seen action, but it's not been enough action to meet the needs of the American people. I think that at this point, um, so many countries have done a much better job than we've done um, regarding some kind of relief bills. We had that one stimulus um, package um, and other things that happened. That was in March, Parker. It Mm -hmm. is November, and we still do not have a second um, coronavirus deal. That's ridiculous. I think that is what we'll see a lot of. We'll see a lot of things like that, and I think that we'll also see a lot of, um, I hate to say it, but pettiness in the Senate because they know they'll be um, the majority. So we'll just, like Mitch McConnell, for example, he, um, Jesus, let me take a moment for just <laughs> uh, Let me stop. But no, I really, just, though. He and Lindsey Graham are two people that I just, I'm going to have to pray for them. <laughs> I'm going to have to pray for both of them. But I, I just... I hate them both. I really do because I feel like they both use their positions to hurt the American people. They hold things up. And I think that that's what they, their jobs are. To me, that's how I see them. They just literally stop things from happening or they try to, but for example, they did, they ushered in Amy Coney very, very quickly. Mitch McConnell worked so hard with that, Parker. It was ridiculous how quickly she was confirmed. Right. But he would not work nearly that hard for health care for the people of Kentucky or the rest of this country. He wouldn't work that hard for another coronavirus deal. And so for that reason, I just think that he should have really been, um, they should have voted him out of office. I agree. Yeah, I really was hoping that we would see the end of the Mitch McConnell years. And um, Mitch McConnell, I was hoping to see the end of Lindsey Graham. Mm -hmm. And it's I wanted to see not the end of Nancy Pelosi, but the end of her as Speaker of the House. I'm gonna be honest. And so the thing is that I am 
well, I am an unaffiliated voter. Technically, I'm an unaffiliated voter. I don't go to whichever party. But of course, the Democratic Party, I align much more with the Democratic Party than mm-hmm. with the Republican Party. Well, that being said, as a Democrat, I'm very critical of the top leaders in the Democratic Party because I think that there are so many amazing Democrats that could do, um, that could really, really change this country and the nature of this party. That's the thing. I, I really do believe in the Democratic Party, but I don't think the Democratic Party believes in the Democratic Party. <laughs> I don't. Well I said. Not. Well said. I just don't. They don't believe. They see every time who their base of voters are, but as soon as the election comes, the next day they just drop off everybody. Who they're like? Okay, now we have to work with the um, working class. That's always their message. They want to work. Don't become too leftist or don't um, identify with too many cultural issues or mm-hmm. with too many minorities. Because you want to identify with the white working class, basically, or the working class. But I always receive it as the white working class because I just um, I think that the Democratic Party. We just I'm very actually I'm very happy with the results up until now honestly with the turnout with the Democratic Party because I was honestly going into this, I was expecting um, Trump to just on election night, by the end of election night, I really was expecting him. Before the the day of election, the election day, up until that day I was thinking that day it was just going to be called for Trump. I did. Right. I really did. Because right. I, do, I do think that Trump Although he is very incompetent, one thing to me that he is, he's an excellent campaign person. He, he is. Because he is going to hold rallies. Even if he gets his um, the attendees sick, he doesn't care. He will still hold rallies. He's going to give his supporters what they want. And that is the failure of the Democratic Party. I think we just do what we have to do, and we just have to be the party that resists Trump. Right. But I think that we have to, moving forward, we have to be a little bit more specific and a little bit more careful. And we really have to um, really identify with our voters instead of alienating them after we're elected, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. No, I see right where you're going. And actually, um, speaking of Nancy Pelosi, you're probably not going to be super excited to hear this, but she's uh, talked about launching her bid for Speaker of the House again. Um, Do you have thoughts? Parker, she officially launched her bid for Speaker of the House again today, and oh, I do boy. have thoughts about <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> I just, the thing about Nancy Paul, she's 80 years old. She'll be 81 years old next year. Is she really? She, yeah, she's 80. Oh, man. She, she looks her age too, Parker. I'm going to be honest. She does. And that's the thing. I just, the Democratic Party, most of if you looked at the statistics, you could see that we are a party of young people. We are. We are a party of vibrant people. And when I look at Nancy Pelosi, I just don't feel very connected with her because mm-hmm. I feel like she ha- she does not fight for me. I need my leaders to fight for me. Right. I do not want my – because I do feel like Trump fights for his um, – Supporters, he does. I really do. If he, if they want racism, guess what he's gonna do? He's gonna fight <laughs> to give them some racism. He is going to serve it up for them, put it on the plate, and they're gonna slap it up with a biscuit. Nancy Pelosi, <laughs> will she do that? I don't. She does not do that for us. She does not. She's just old. She's just um very powerful, and she's just. I feel like she has been in that position forever, and she just doesn't want to let go. But at a certain time, I think 
you have to let go and give it to someone else. Pass the torch on while you can. I feel like you, she should have, at this point, she should have selected another Democrat, an up-and-coming star, um, who would have been a, also a very fit candidate. And I think she should have primed him or her, preferably or her, because I would love to see another woman speaker of the House. If, they, if, she, if Nancy would have selected some other Democrat, trained, got them ready, and released that person's name today, that would have motivated the Democratic Party quite a bit. Nancy mm -hmm. Pelosi just said she's launching her bid. No one was excited. I didn't see anyone that was like, oh, yeah, let's, I'm happy about that. Actually, I wasn't even aware. Most people that I've seen talk about it were side-eyeing it and was like, what were our other options? Were there no other options? Right, right. So let me ask you this then. Um, what, if you could have anybody in Congress right now be Speaker of the House, so actually twofold question. So, of course, if you could have anyone be Speaker of the House, who is in Congress right now, who has been elected to Congress, who would it be? And also realistically, who do you see, who would you choose thinking about someone who might actually realistically have a shot? Realist, okay. So who I would want it to be, but I know she's not going to be realistic for different reasons, but of course, Congresswoman Maxine Waters. Mm-hmm. I would, uh -huh. because she too is old, but I think she has much more fire than Nancy Pelosi. She's demonstrated and it. She, and she has been, I think, one of the top Congress people that have really resisted Trump. Because right. I follow her on Twitter, I follow her on Facebook, and I'm a very huge supporter of hers because she has been speaking against Trump and calling, as she was calling for his impeachment before anyone else was. Right. And so I need that kind of leader. I like her, but I know that it's going to be so much um, red tape that she and the government have to get through, so she won't be able to do what she can do as Speaker of the House. But I would like to see her as Speaker with the um, with the actual backing of the Democratic Party and mm -hmm. um, a Democratic Congress. But I know that would be um, just me wishing Right. But, um, I'm trying to think of a person who I would see realistically. Do you have any um, thoughts about who you could see realistically? Because that's actually a really hard question because I know who I want, but realistically right. speaking. Yeah, I think it's a tough question. Um, I think that uh, there are a lot of up and coming people who really interest me a lot. And, and I think that. Yeah. yeah. You know, if it were me, I would love to see, you know, a, a, a Cori Bush or a, 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 a not, maybe not an AOC since she's such a polarizing, polarizing figure, but like, I don't know. What about Tammy? Um, she was going to run for president. What's her name? Uh, I can't think of her name. Um, Duckworth, maybe? I don't know who you're talking about, Barker. Okay. Well, <laughs> regardless... <laughs> mention it's interesting you mentioned cord bush and so really i mean I, I too i would love to see her i would you know, definitely love to see her as you know what i'm going to take away maxine waters and say cord but because she's new to it i know mm -hmm. that's much more unrealistic oh yeah but i think that giving her that position she would definitely i would love to see her in such a big position like that she definitely has a very big future in politics Absolutely. No, I think she certainly does. Yeah. A huge future in politics. What about, there is, a, I think she's, what's that? Katie Porter. Yeah, she's very interesting. 
She is Very a choreographer, if I'm correct. Yeah, so she is actually so. who, yeah, she is who I would, that's my realistic person. Katie Porter, I think she is realistic, a really, she's intelligent. She is, um, I know she has written a lot of books on the U.S. economy, so I know she knows quite a bit about this country, and she has been in public service for many years. Right. And so that is who I would, I would have much rather. Mm -hmm. I think if Nancy Pelosi would have said, if they would have, the Democrat Party would have come out today with new a new announcement saying, like, they have selected Katie Porter to replace Nancy Pelosi, I think that we could have gotten another boost. Mm-hmm. Because that's the thing. Yeah. The Democratic Party, they, they, I do think they take advantage of their voters. They do. They get us up into the election and they drop us off. But you really need us way beyond that point of the Right. Election. Well, that so means... that's a, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was going to say, I think that's what you see why you see a lot of times you see these like big democratic victories and then two years later in the midterms, the Democrats get smacked because they've kind of abandoned a lot of the people that they've been, you know, campaigning towards and saying they were going to, you know, even if it's poor working class white people, like who went really overwhelmingly for Trump, like the democratic party was supposed to be out there, you know, working for those people just as much as everyone else. And what the reality is, is that they're, 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 they haven't been. And so I think, you know, you see those kinds of massive rebukes of the Democratic Party in these midterm elections and in like, you know, presidential elections now and then as well, because the Democrats seem to really argue that they're going to do something and then they don't. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the things. So I am hopeful to see um, see if we can get a more progressive leader in the Democratic, um, just more progressive leadership in general. It'd be nice to see some progressive leadership. Um, like, you know, sooner rather than later, obviously. But I think we're we're still a few years away from the progressives being the main wing of the party, um, which... We are. You know. And that's the thing. It's just... It's so stressful because, like, we have so many leaders now. Right. We have a lot of leaders now who can be so active and who can make such a big difference through the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. But having to wait every few years to get more progressives in, another progressive in two years, another progressive in this race in two years, that just moves so slowly. I you agree. Know? And I think that the Democratic, we have to be a little bit more adaptable than we have been. Right. To be able to adapt a little bit quicker than we've been adapted. And I think that Nancy Pelosi continuing, I mean, launching her bid for um, it, for a speaker again, it really is only holding up the Democratic Party. I really do. I think it's only hurting us. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And uh, I think I think we're right. I think you're right on track there. I think you're right on track for sure. Um, and since we're talking about the, the speaker of the House, um, we may as well talk about the House itself. Um, you know, real quick before we uh, move on, but the House itself is is looking like it's going to stay Democratic. You know, fingers crossed if things go. There's still 32 races uncalled, um, as far as I'm aware, with the Demo- the House races. But mm. the weird thing so far is that the Democrats have lost a net six seats from 2018. And what I'm curious about, and I'm curious to get your opinion too, but what it seems to me that that's that's a rebuke of of Democratic Congress people in more, you know, purple to kind of red, red, red districts, you know, kind of almost right-leaning moderate districts who were unhappy with the impeachment. Mm. 
And I'm curious what you think about that. I'll say a little bit more about their unhappiness with the un- impeachment. Well, I think that, you know, we saw after the impeachment of Bill Clinton was uh, such a massive loss for the Republicans because it was so partisan and so mm-hmm. um, frustrating. So I wonder, I know that that was one of the things that held back the impeachment process a lot and may and, and really pushed the, the Democratic leadership to kind of slow up and wait to even do that. It was they were worried about losing seats in more like right-leaning yeah. districts. So I'm wondering if that fear kind of was realized in some ways by these kind of, I mean, six seats isn't a lot in the grand scheme of things, but like it could have been if the, if the majority, you know, was a little bit less than what they had from 2018. Um, Yeah. I I think you hit the nail on the head, Parker. I think that you're absolutely correct. And so with that being said, I'm sure that did. And one thing that you also got to realize is gerrymandering. That's still a very real thing. And um, because I've seen it, in play in my home district in North Carolina, because Anson County, as when you look at the map, we are surrounded by red, except mm-hmm. Charlotte, but we have some blue, out, a couple of counties that way, and we have some in Charlotte. But since they have redrawn the lines, we are now, for the House race, we are in a district that is overwhelmingly red. Now we mm-hmm. are completely, now Charlotte is its own district, and now we are absorbed by everything red. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did the same thing look. to Asheville. That is crazy, Parker. And so I think that that might have a little bit to do with it, because a lot of these races were incredibly close. Right. A lot of these House races that lost, um, they were incredibly close. And I know that the... um race in North Carolina, Richard Hudson versus Pat Timmons Goodson mm-hmm. um, for House. I know that Pat Timmons, she conceded and said, okay, well, I've lost this race. Richard Hudson, incumbent, you've won. I would not have given up so easily if I were her. Right. One, because there were still so many ballots left to be counted. Yeah, we saw that kind of a couple times. The Sarah Gideon gave up the the race yeah. real real early to to Susan Collins as well. I've seen that a couple times, and it was it's definitely had me wondering like what what was going on behind the scenes there. I just I I think a lot of people I don't know because it's just I would have had to fight. I'm sorry, I would right. have had to wait until I know maybe you just it's been a big fight already and you're ready for it to be over. And I'm sure candidates are ready, just as ready for it to be over as oh, yeah. um, we are. Um, because yeah, they have to put a lot of money, time and energy into it as well. But with yes. that being said, I just would not have given up so quickly as if I were her. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Up, but I wouldn't have um, de- uh, declared anyone a winner. Right. No, I agree. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I think that you know, with the twenty to to your to point about uh, redistricting, redistricting. Of course, we have the census coming up, and so um, you know, we can only hope that that things will be at least somewhat rectified from two thousand ten. Um, though I, I I suppose I am um, not as confident as I would have been had uh, had we had a bit more of a blue wave throughout the election um, yeah, in the exactly. down in, in the down ballot races and stuff like that. Definitely. Um, So I have like one last question I think we should go over before we kind of call it quits here. And that's about political polarization. Um, And I kind of am curious because, you know, we are likely looking at a divided government here, a Democratic president and House and a Republican Senate. And what does that do for polarization? Does Donald Trump go away? Does Donald Trump like go to jail? 
Does he disappear to Russia? Yeah, right, exactly, me too. But does he disappear to Russia? Like, where is he going? Um, What is going to happen to him after this? And what is that going to mean for our society that is so polarized right now? Do you have any thoughts? Now, Parker, you asked some very important questions. I want to also know what happens to Donald Trump after Joe Biden wins. Mm -hmm. I really cannot say. I think the next week is going to be very telling. The entire very next week, I think that you're going to you're going to be surprised. I really do. I think that there are going to be some things that surprises us, and then we'll be able to answer those questions. What is going to happen to Donald Trump? Because I, if even if he loses, he is not going down without a fight. Right now, where that fight will lead him, I don't know. How deep into this fight he will get. That's what I'm saying. I don't know how nasty he's willing to get just yet. I know he's willing to get nasty, but I think this very this next week, I I wish he would just play it easy, honestly. I wish his camp would just play it easy, let the votes be counted, um, and let democracy work. Right, because that sounds like Donald Trump. <laughs> exactly. I right. what I wish would happen, but I know that's not what's going to happen. But for all his own sake, for his own sake, because mm-hmm. I think he's going to be hurt. He's going to be mad. He's going to lash out. And right. you make mistakes when you feel like that, Parker. Yeah. I think that's what he's going to do over the next week. He's going to accuse people of this, accuse people of that, accuse um, the Democrats of this, accuse Black people of that, accuse the poll workers of this. And it's really going to be tearing away at our democracy. I agree. I really no, which, so. to be fair, has also been what he's done for the last four years anyway so it's not like it's any new plays but you know i think um i think you hit it right on the head uh the nail the nail on the head as as you would say um you know i think uh i think what is really interesting is that you know donald trump is a symptom of a problem and um that problem's not going to go away on january 21st that that problem doesn't go away and and you know obviously a a defeated in an election trump is like is is a bad version of trump but i'm worried about the lame duck trump like lame duck trump to me really scares me a lot and and what he had what he is going to do to this country between now and or between like two weeks from now when it's really clear he's lost the election and like the inauguration day like what norms is he gonna break he's been willing to break in the last three and a half years. Where is he going to go in the lame duck session that he may very well be facing here? That's a, yeah, Parker. So I that's think what freaks me out. So um, and I think that whatever he does do will have a lot of effects on how polarized our society really becomes before yes. we can address the issue. You know, I, I don't foresee us being able to get past the Trump, kind of vibe that we're in with a lot of the people on the right, um, the Trump supporter MAGA types, without a lot of hard work. And yeah, I think mm-hmm. hard I think work takes just, time. It does, and you just said a lot. I think that if Trump, I think his supporters, what they do, they watch him, and what he do, they do. Mm-hmm. So if he accepted this with class, I think that he could convince his supporters to accept it with class. Ah, 
Well, no, I'm not going to say they're going to accept it with like the most grace and style and elegance, but I do think that he influences them in a way. Yeah. Because after he told them to stand back and stand by, guess what they did? They stood back and they stood by. Mm-hmm. And so that being said, I wish he would just say like John McCain's speech in 2008. Um, right. When he lost to Obama, I wish Trump would take the same approach and just wish Biden well. Trump, you had your four years. It did not work. He <laughs> failed miserably. He did. He failed miserably. He did. Hundreds of thousands of people are dead that would not have been dead mm-hmm. um, in a normal year. And he just, it, he's just gross. He's gross. It, and there are so many sexual assault allegations against him. Yeah. Um, and I just can't believe that people are not resisting him like I am. Right. It's, 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 it's really hard to understand how anybody can continue to support him when you when you're you you stand on this side of the aisle um, and look, look look across. You're like, what is going on over there? What is wrong with you people? But like, exactly. You know, so it goes, as Kurt Vonnegut would say, you know, and and it is the reality of it, and all we can wish for. You said about polarization. So I really, 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 I if I don't, I don't. Ex- him to accept this with any style if he loses i don't expect him to accept the results with style and grace so mm-hmm. i do think to your point i do think that there it, it's going to be more polar i guess we're going to be on opposite sides it's not going to be a whole lot of coming together anytime soon if that makes sense no i agree um, but i think it could be though there could there's always that potential for um, some coming together, but I know that the next few days there are going to be actions from everyone, and it's just not going to be like let's come together. It's going to be a more let's break apart type of thing. And I'm going to point my finger to you, and I want to shout at you. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right on the head. I think you're right hitting the nail on the head. You know, I think you're right there for sure. Um, and so yeah. Well, Andre, this has been quite a discussion. Um, this yes, it has, Parker. A lot to unpack for this election so far. Um, and yes. uh, it has been a wild ride. We certainly tried to do our best anyway. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and all in all, it seems like the era of Trump is, is coming to an end. You know, we can only hope at this point, but it really seems like the momentum is moving in that direction. And, uh, you know, will he disappear? You know, I don't think so. Will the dis- division oh, that he's God. caused, will the division he's caused disappear? I, I don't, I don't think so, but no, Jesus. we've certainly taken a step in the right direction. If, if Biden does become a, um, does become the president. Um, yeah. I think we're moving in the right direction, hopefully towards repairing the divide and getting the country back on the track moving yeah, forward. Yeah, I do think so. I really, really, really do think I, we got to put Trump behind us. Mm-hmm, Trump we has do. To be in our past. Yeah. He cannot be in our present moment. Absolutely. And you know, in this episode, we've really focused a lot on his like effect on the domestic situation, but the havoc that he's wreaked in the international community, just with, and, and with the, the way that he's approached diplomacy or the lack thereof has been really scary. Honestly, for someone who's, you know, watching and paying attention, it will be nice to have, some amount of 
continuity in our foreign policy again, honestly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, you're right, Parker. You are absolutely correct. And the thing is, a lot of people um, internationally, a lot of foreign states, they look to America for leadership. And they can't look to America for that leadership that they've always been able to look to America for. Yeah, I agree. So I do think that he's making us weaker abroad. He makes us look ignorant abroad. He, yeah, literally, he weakens us abroad. Absolutely. At home and abroad. Yeah, he weakens us everywhere. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh -huh. I agree. All right, <laughs> folks. Well, um, like I said before, follow us on Twitter. Um, I'm at Parker yeah. Brewer. I am Black Boy Dre. Yep. Follow us on Twitter. Let us know your thoughts on what we've talked about this week. Um, we're going to try to be hitting these episodes uh, every week or as much as possible, depending on um, what's happening in the news. Uh, so, yeah. Hit us up on Twitter. And until next time, um, I'm Parker Brewer. And I am Andre Tyson. We'll see you later.